0: the athletic instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open how's about subscribing to the athletic for just four pounds a month as a new year's resolution you'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around exclusive q and a's with athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of the athletics podcasts including this one find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com totally
1: Totally Football Show European Edition. In today's top stories, Bayern go seven clear. Battle of the Borussia. Barcelona versus the Bailiffs. And Europe reacts to Super League breakaway. Okay, but why does it include Spurs? Plus, Atalanta, Neymar's dream PSG team, and much, much more. In this Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. <laughs> Hello there, listener. Yeah, lots of shows opening with Ashanti at the moment. So we thought we'd get on board with that. It's the Totally Football Show European Edition, Tuesday, 26th of January. For your listening pleasure, we have with us James Horncastle. Hello,
2: James. Julian Laurence.
1: Bonjour. Alvaro Romeo. Hello, hello. And Raphael Honigstein.
2: Hello, I'm down for you, James.
1: That's such good news, Rafa. You've been busy as well, haven't you? Dishing out your Tuchel hot takes. <laughs> it's been
2: a it's been a busy um, start of the week, James. Yes, because uh, Frank Lampard has been dismissed and uh, Thomas Tuchel is coming in as a new manager. Uh, it's a story that has been brewing for a while, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to welcome another compatriot.
1: Can never get too many of them. Rafa. Well, let's just talk before we get into our roundup of the, all the European news about Thomas Tuchel. From our experiences of him at Dortmund, from more recently his work at Paris Saint Germain. Jules, is this
3: a good fit? Is it a good fit? That's a that's a really good question. Um, if you want the the Tuchel from PSG, I th- yeah, I think I think no problem. He did a lot of good things in Paris. However, I think he struggled, as we explained after, we explained after he was signed, he struggled with the, the dimension of the, the political aspect of the club. And you can also argue that it's quite similar in Chelsea, to be fair. So if he only wanted to coach, like he said, uh, at the end of his, his time in Paris, um, to, to the, in, in the interview to Sports 1, I'm not sure he would be able to do that in in Chelsea. Uh, if you want the two hole from Mainz um, and maybe a little bit less to Dortmund, again, I'm not sure really that that dressing room will allow him to to be that. I still think there's a lot of man management to be done with this Chelsea dressing room like he had to do in Paris with the PSG dressing room. Okay, there's no Neymar and Mbappe at Chelsea, but there are other players that maybe won't respond in the way that he would want them to respond like like the players maybe he had before, especially at mine. So it'd be very interesting to see. I think I think he has a lot of qualities and assets to succeed in the Premier League, no doubt. I think this is a very, very strong squad and I, I can see him getting the best out of this squad and, and doing really well with this squad. But it's not as simple as just, you know, does it fit and you know, does he have the qualities for it? I, I still think that the, the issues that he found in Paris, I fear that he can have them, if he can fe- be facing the same at Chelsea. Rafa, in what way do
1: you think he's an upgrade on, on Frank Lampard, beyond the fact that he speaks German?
2: Well, I think calling him an upgrade is a little bit harsh on Frank Lampard, but I think he does bring a lot of coaching experience. Uh, this is a guy who worked wonders at Mainz for five years, had uh, two very successful years uh, at Dortmund, uh, culminating in the Dave Beeple car win. And uh, I guess a year at PSG is like three years in a normal club. So, you know, he comes with a, with a very decent CV. And I think what he comes with as well is a very um, well developed footballing strategy and idea he can be flexible he's not you know mono um, thematic or monochromatic in his in his setup but I think there is a lot of depth to what he does in terms of how he sets up teams how he changes uh, teams how he can uh, vary even within games and I think he's going to bring a tactical structure and sophistication to this Chelsea team. That uh, should really help them both collectively and individually to just get more out of that. So I think, you know, there's a reason why he was in such high demand and continues to be. Uh, and that's because I think he's being seen as somebody who just coaches really well. Um, maybe, as Jules alluded to, not always the most easiest of guys to get on with uh, if you're his, his superior. But it's something that Chelsea obviously feel is, is, is a price worth paying.
1: So you think it's going to be a success?
2: Well, I think a lot of will depend on whether he and the and the club can see eye-to-eye eye on the more strategic issues. But when it comes to just the coaching work and setting this team up and getting more out of this team that Frank Lampard has been in the last few weeks and making sure they finish at least top four uh, and perhaps do well in the Cups, then I think they have a better chance now with Thomas Tuchel being there than they had with Frank Lampard continuing the season. So in relative terms, yes. Whether he'll be, you know, another Chelsea great um, and and go on a um, era-defining run, it's it's very difficult to to say because it's not really necessarily all down to him as we know at Chelsea.
1: Mm. Uh, Andrew Mera asks: uh, Does hiring a German-speaking coach really do that much for Chelsea's German players? What about all the other players who are out of form? How key was his ability to talk Teutonic?
2: I think that is just one part of the um, considerations. It is easy, I think, to strike up a report with players in their own language. I mean, Tuchel speaks excellent English. I think his French is is pretty okay as well. So lots of French players there as well. But I think the wider issue that Chelsea wanted somebody who uh, brings uh, that kind of style of working with them, you know, German managers and even Tuchel, although he can be a little bit abrasive, They are, by and large, used to working in a structure where they don't have all the power when it comes to transfers. Um, You're not going to create a situation where they feel, you know, as as a coach, as a manager, I can buy all the players. Everything should be down to me. They are used to working with what they have first and foremost and see it as their job in improving and maximizing the resources at their disposal rather than constantly be, ...political and say, oh, the club is not backing me, I need a new striker, I need a new attacker. Um, and of course, for a club like Chelsea, but many other clubs, that is very attractive, you know, to have somebody who just sees his, his main job as coaching. Tuchel, as we said uh, repeatedly, um, can have strong views as well and we'll have to see how he and the and the club can perhaps compromise or, or find a, a joint alignment, if you will, on in their plans and ideas... But by and large, that German way of working, I think, is, is something that they're interested in, rather than the language skills as such.
1: Cheers, Rafa. Well, we'll have more of your uh, Twitter questions, listener, a little bit later on. But as we uh, shift our focus now to the Continental game, let's get a quick round of moments of the weekend
4: with Paddy Power. Avaro, what stood out for you? has to be Atletico de Madrid uh, beating 3-1 Valencia because, uh, you know, the chasing teams and Real Madrid and Barcelona, they are doing quite all right in La Liga lately. Both they have collected 23 of the last 27. You would have thought, OK, that's enough to put a proper title race. But no, it's not enough because, uh, because Atletico de Madrid has uh, collected 24 of the last 27 and against Valencia... Luis Suárez was the man who scored the second goal for Atletico de Madrid. And, you know, some questions have to be asked already. They were, but they have to be asked again. Why on earth did Barcelona sell Luis Suárez to one direct rival to fight for La Liga title? That was stupid. Mm,
1: absolutely. Particularly at a time in which they desperately needed the cash. All right, James Horncastle, what's, what's your moment of the weekend?
5: Well, I think it has to be Atlantis performance at San Siro. Uh, against league leaders Milan, Champiero Gasparini, saying that uh, it was one of their, their top performances. Um, you know, we mentioned Josip Ilicic being back to his best and that allowing them to uh, sell Papu Gomez. Um, looks like Papu will be going to Sevilla uh, before the end of the transfer window. Um, so, very open title race uh, in in Serie A. I think seven sisters um, in it, um, because Milan and Inter both dropped points at the weekend.
1: Mm. Milan and Inter, who are heading towards a Tuesday night derby in the cup. We'll hear about that soon enough. What about you, Jules? What's your
3: French choice bit? I guess I would go to um, to the Rhone derby between Saint-Étienne and Lyon. Not the greatest because Saint-Étienne has so many players missing due to, due to COVID, but still it was the 122nd derby, uh, and Saint-Étienne for so many years were so ahead of Lyon that they used to even say that Lyon was in saint Etienne suburbs, where obviously technically the other way around. But now with that win 5-0 on Sunday night, it meant that Lyon have now won more derbies, 45 to Saint-Étienne 44, for the first time in history. So very significant win. There was just such a gap between the two teams, though a full strength pretty much, uh, Lyon team although Paqueta and Awa were not there but very much a very strong team who completely deserved to win 5-0 and could even have won maybe 6 or 7 uh, so it's a shame that Santidine couldn't really fight properly but yeah big big win for Lyon
1: so big that it even made moment of the week ahead of
2: Marseille getting beaten which,
1: exactly yeah uh,
2: Rafa I think there was only one moment James maybe the most not the most uh, edifying one but uh, Bruno Labadie the uh, Hertha manager getting interviewed live on Sky after the 4-1 defeat by Hertha to Werder Bremen and getting shown the news from Bill that he was fired while he was doing the interview. <laughs> um, that was That was, it was sad, but it was, uh, you know, it was a big moment. Um, right. He handled it really well. I don't think it came as a huge surprise to him. He knew, I think, that this time was up. And of course, Hertha, not just firing him, but also the sporting director, Michael Pretz, um, as well, so big changes in the German capital.
1: Right, Hertha Berlin. After all the money they've invested, only two points away from the relegation playoff place at the moment. We'll be talking about so many things then in the course of today's show. Uh, let's begin with something else from the Bundesliga. The Borussia Derby. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defenses may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your four-plus-fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg, online exclusive, no shop bets, T's and C's apply, 18plus, be aware, Yeah,
2: super tour, Borussia, yeah, bravo.
1: Yep. That's how it sounded for German viewers as Borussia Gladbach beat their rivals for a top four spot. Their rivals for the hand of their manager Marco Rosa, Borussia Dortmund. Was it a big win? Well, it was 4-2 and it came after a run of 11 straight defeats for Gladbach to Dortmund. How big was this for Marco Rosa and his team, Rafa?
2: Yeah, it was big. Big for them and for the other Borussia. So, um... Gladbach now back in the Champions League uh, contention really um, after that run of indifferent results. So huge, huge win. And for Dortmund the defeat that really puts an end to all title talk and even, you know, some kind of outlandish ideas that they might might do it this season. Very, very damaging the way it came set pieces not being defended properly, a lack of balance, all the sort of things that we used to blame Lucien Favre for, but he's no longer there. So people are beginning to wonder whether there's something in the makeup of the team and the amount of maybe technical players that they have that makes them such a soft touch. And it's just not a good atmosphere. You know, you seem to have the defenders blaming the attackers for not putting enough pressure on the build-up. Erling Haaland came out in an interview he gave to Archie Rintut after the final whistle, saying, I'm pissed, not just once, but twice. Um, and he didn't mean, mean the uh, you know, the alcoholic variant, but uh, um, more of a um, description of his frustrations and anger. So not a good place to be at the moment. And if Dortmund don't finish fourth, it could have some serious repercussions because jump and seek money is absolutely vital this year, more than ever, because they've lost so much money having the biggest stadium in Germany with no no fans there, that to miss out on the Champions League would, would have a seismic effect and make whoever comes in, and we believe it is Marco Rosa in the summer, make their job really, really difficult.
1: Mm. They're 13 points off the lead at the moment, 13 points by, by Munich, but only three off the top four places. And the in- interesting situation there with A lot of the other big teams are losing this weekend. Leipzig got beat, Leverkusen as well. We'll we'll come onto those games a bit later on. But Erling Haaland with two goals here uh, before Gladbach ran away with this game. Both set up by uh, Jadon Sancho. He's now on an extraordinary 27 goals in his first 28 Bundesliga games. And he's on 14 for this season. He's come back with a bang.
2: He has been, but it's almost... um an indictment of the rest of the team that, you know, Erling Haaland at, at uh, 20 now is still or, or has become the main player and everyone else is just looking towards him to provide the goals and provide almost the leadership um, testament to him and, and his presence and his effect on the team. Yes, these are all positives, but where's the, the impact from the so-called leaders, where's Marco Royce, the captain? Um, all these questions that are very difficult to to quantify. These are all intangibles, if you will, but they're beginning to be asked once again because the team just continues to to be so disappointing and frustrating, and it's inevitable that people sort of start asking the bigger questions. Edin Tascic, the interim manager, seems to have had some positive impact, but it hasn't been sustained. And now we're basically in the same situation as we were before they let Lucien Favre go, where you just feel this is a bit of a broken team. And uh, it's sad because Bayern have been there for the taking, not just this season, but also the two previous seasons. And Dortmund, the number two in all respects in Germany, haven't been able to to take advantage.
1: Mm. Currently laying down in seventh place after picking up just one point from their past three games. And that was against second from bottom Mainz, who are on a bit of a revival, as we might hear later on. As for Gladbach and Marco Rosa, Rafa, more set-piece goals than any other Bundesliga side, but Rosa says they don't actually practice them in training.
2: Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Um, They might not have sort of dedicated sessions to it, but there will have been a lot of thought going into it, especially in video analysis, you know, looking at what the opposition do, trying to come up with some ideas uh, players also stand stay behind frequently, but of their own volition, to to practice. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's going on. And um, yeah, they look. They have very tall players. They're very. They have good people on on delivery. And it's also a sad reflection on Dortmund's weakness because Dortmund always seemed to be vulnerable to those situations. And Gladbach have done their preparation and took full advantage.
1: Excellent. Holland on the 14 goals I mentioned for the season that's impressive but still nine behind the 23 that Robert Lemdowski has got so far we'll get on to what he got up to with Bayern Munich later on because next up we're going to hear about that big game James was talking about at the top of Serie A
0: You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's ind dot com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Adesso, centralmente, con Zapata in area, da solo Zapata, il tiro!
3: Duan Zapata, Fatrice! Per l'Atalanta, San Siro. E il Milan che capitola su questa ennesima iniziativa, assolutamente
1: inarrestabile! James Horncastle, that Atalanta are at it again.
5: Yeah, I think they've been at it really since the uh, the end of the Champions League group stages, uh, where they've been allowed to kind of focus on on league and domestic cup. Um, they're on you know, by far the longest unbeaten streak, ten games, um, and getting in amongst it at least for where they want to be, which is uh, to get back into the top four for what would be a third consecutive season. But yeah, this was their biggest win against Milan at San Siro since 1941. Um, you know, the, the idea was that Milan had come an awful long way um, since uh, last December's 5 0 defeat um, to Atalanta in Bergamo. Um, they have come a long way, but uh, I think Atalanta are one of those smart sides which just know how to get the better of them. And uh, Ilicic was magnificent in this game, but also Matteo Pessina, uh, who came back from Hellas Verona and uh, last year, an Ek Milan player who was on their books um, in their academy. Um, he gave Sandro Tonali a really tough time. And I think as much as, as Atalanta got it right, uh, Milan got it wrong. Uh, yeah, there were a few things in Pioli's team selection which uh, just didn't work out. Uh, Mate, the, the guy that they signed from, from Torino playing as a, a number 10 uh, to try and disrupt uh, Darun and Freule. Uh, I think he did uh, more damage to his own team than uh, he did to Atalanta. He had uh, Kalulu as well. Uh, yeah, very young, very talented, but having to play left centre back against Duvan Zapata uh, was at fault for the for the first goal. So I think it's one of those that it doesn't necessarily alter our opinion of how good Milan are. They still finished as winter champions despite losing three um, nil. Um, I thought Zlatan was interesting afterwards. He was quite. He was very forthright in his. Uh, in his post-match comments, you know, he was saying that, you know, when, when we're without two or three players, and I think he was he was kind of pointing at Ben Acer and Chananolu, uh, who were missing for this game, um, we're a fragile team um, and, you know, we go to the bench, the players are young, I look around me, the players are young. I think there's maybe some truth into that. I mean, to be honest, and they did pretty well for six to eight weeks without him, mm. um, you know, only losing for the first time this season at uh, the beginning of 2021. But it's it's made for a really really tight title race.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned Ilicic's happiness. He certainly doesn't seem to be missing Papu Gomez.
5: No, I think he sees more the ball in 2021. They've given it to him to just go and run at players, and he's he's in a state of grace at the moment. You know, he's he's beating everyone um, and is bending games seemingly to his will. I mean, created a couple of chances which which could have made the scoreline even worse. Uh, for for Milan had had they been taken, um, but as Gasparini said afterwards, um, yeah, since uh, the end of the Champions League, which is kind of since Papu was was benched and and frozen out, um, they press better, uh, they're more compact, uh, they're, they're beginning to score lots of goals again um, as well. Uh, so uh, I think they're the second top scorers now behind uh, behind Inter. Um, so things are really clicking uh, for Atalanta, and they were the. Statistically, the best side in the second half of last season, and uh, maybe there's reason to believe that they'll be the best side in the second half of this season as well.
1: Mm, Gomez, as you mentioned, uh, busy heading down to Andalusia at the moment, eh, Alvaro?
4: Yes, um, Sevilla really wants him. Monchi has identified the player as the one who can actually make the difference for Sevilla up front, especially because he's got a tremendous vision in the final third, and uh, Oliver Torres and Suso are players who play in that position, but they, they have been quite inconsistent for Sevilla, and uh, the negotiations are ongoing, so everything is uh, waiting, uh, or let's say uh, Sevilla is trying to, to get a good deal for Papu Gomez, uh, Atalanta wants a bit more, and... Uh, uh, a bit more money but uh, yeah the player hasn't played for a long time now since the 16th of December I believe and Sevilla knows that uh, they know that Papu is not happy and they are uh, going for it definitely I mean they also want to sell Franco Vázquez to make it sure that uh, there is a, a spot for for Papu Gómez in the Champions League list uh, but yeah this is ongoing and it will happen soon
1: OK is that tied in at all with the prospective move to West
4: Ham for Yusuf and Naziri? Eh uh, I don't think that Sevilla wants to sell in a city so badly. Uh, That's the thing, that uh, over the last six or seven months, they have rejected few offers, uh, which is something that Sevilla normally didn't do that much in the past. But now they've got some financial stability as well. And of course, if the offer for in a city uh, is great, they will accept it. But uh, it has to be great, actually. They paid 20 million for the player mm, a year ago. And uh, if, for example, West Ham is offering 30, 31, 32 for in the city perhaps the business is not that good for Sevilla, considering that the player is improving a lot. And uh, right now it's difficult to know where his ceiling is. I mean, he's getting better and better. This is his best scoring ever season so far. And um, the problem for Sevilla will be, selling in the city and not being able to find a replacement of that quality in the market and if they resort to the bench where luke de young is well uh, the dutchman hasn't been great this season and uh, it could be a little bit of a of a mistake to sell in the city on the cheap or for no more than 35 40 million for sevilla at this uh, at this stage of the season and especially in this financial context in mm. which it's not so easy to find the bargain all right
1: run of seven goals in four matches for and Niziri. No wonder they'd like to keep hold of him. A uh, bank to Milan, though, James. And coming up on Tuesday, the top two in Italy will go head to head in the uh, Coppa Italia quarter-finals. A uh, Milan up against Inter. Inter, who'll be without Antonio Conte, who get this lost his temper at the end of uh, Saturday's game in which they drew nil-nil away at Udinese.
5: Yeah, he was upset uh, with uh, Maresca, uh, the referee for uh, not giving as much added time as he he would have liked um, and uh, it was not just Conte who got sent off, his assistant after full time also um, Gabriele Oriali was, uh, was seen um, sort of remonstrating with Maresca, got shown a red card as well uh, tensions continued into the tunnel um, as well, so Inter, who were playing at the same time as uh, as Milan on Saturday evening, uh, unable to kind of take advantage of, of what was going on at San Siro, um, a stalemate at the uh, Dacia Arena, and uh, I think it was it was an interesting game because Udinese themselves, a lot of speculation around the 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 future of the coach uh, Gotti. Uh, in recent weeks, and uh, you know, in in the space of seven days, he's he's held Atlanta to a draw, and he's held he's held Inter to a draw as well. Um, yeah, the two best attacks in the league. Um, so, you know, it's not an easy game. But then again, Inter did create chances to win it. Uh, Lautaro, for example, how often do we talk about him not taking taking chances in big moments? And I think this was one of them. Produced one of the saves of the season from uh, Juan Musso in the Udinese goal. Um, and then the other, the, the only other opportunity really was Hakimi misplacing a, a square ball for, for Lukaku, which uh, he could have put away and, and, and sealed the points uh, for Inter. So in that respect, it was another frustrating afternoon. I think they've only won one game in four, Inter, uh, in, in 2021. And that was, uh, that was the win over Juventus in the debut Italian. Mightily impressive that was too. But in some respects, overall, it does feel like they are... Uh, stumbling. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens in this in this uh, midweek uh, cup derby because I think much as both of these teams want to win the title or feel they they're in with a chance of winning the title they also want to win silverware as well. Yeah, Inter haven't won the cup since 2011 I think for for Milan you have to go back to 2003. So it is something that I think both these 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 teams and these coaches would like to would like to uh, have a go at.
1: Mm. Inter, of course, out of Europe, so no silverware arriving on that front. Milan, who'll be without Gigi Donnarumma, who got suspended in the penalty shootout of the previous round, but (laughs) might be fielding Mandzukic up front with Ibra. At least that's what Zlatan would like, so the papers say. Well, Zlatan
5: felt like he was uh, too isolated in the first half of that game against Atalanta. I think that was in part because Mete uh, was the ten. Um, if it's Chalinolu, yeah he always wants someone um, to be there to uh, to win the second balls when they, they play long to him or they play up to him. Um, yeah Manzukic came on in the second half of the Atlanta game free signing. Uh, he's, he hasn't played since since leaving his club in Qatar in in March so almost a year um, and uh, you know while he's had a personal training trainer to keep him uh, in shape, um, there's a feeling that it might take him a little bit of while to get up to speed. Um, yeah, Milan 3 four-two-three-one. It's a system that uh, Manzikic played uh, when he was at Juventus in the last season that they won the cha- uh, they got to the Champions League final. Sorry, they didn't win it in Cardiff uh, when he scored that incredible goal. So he could play off the left. I mean, it was quite interesting at the weekend he played off the right. Um, but the uh, Slatten very much playing up this idea that no one will want to play against two. Uh, reputed hard men of, of European football in uh, in him, himself and, and Manzakic but uh, we'll have to see
1: mm. alright well 7.45 UK time 8.45 Tuesday night is when those two go out Atlanta will also be involved in the Coppa Italia quarterfinals they host Lazio on Wednesday while Juventus take on Spa. and then Thursday it's Napoli Spezia although whether Reno Gattuso will still be Napoli manager by then we'll have to see uh, we'll be talking more about that and other things later on still to come in this Totally Football show got the latest from League 1 Barcelona flirting with bankruptcy and what's all this about a Super League Ronaldo and Messi, a rivalry for our times. But like all those striving to be the best in their chosen field, they need each other. They drive each other on. Like me and Jeff, the other voiceover guy. Hey, Jeff? Introducing, Introducing toothpaste. toothpaste. It's paste toothpaste for your teeth. Cardi's good. Well, something that is unrivaled is Paddy Power's offer of a
3: free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 ACA lets you down. Paddy
1: Power! Stay in your lane,
0: Jeff. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18BGamblerWord.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, smart speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Teams feeling the pinch. You wait for exploring the
1: format of the Champions League. Hey, presto. Sounds like time for another round of breakaway Super League rumours. Woo! This time we've got leaked proposals of a 20-club tournament with 15 permanent members, five guest spots decided every year, the whole thing split into two 10-team divisions, and with UEFA and FIFA bosses Cheferin and Infantino coming together to co-author an edict, a fatwa against any club or player getting involved, is it just the usual jostling for European power, or could this be something that is genuinely going to happen uh, in the next season or two, what do you think, guys? Is it for real?
3: I think what's, what what alerted uh, Cheferin and Infantino and all the others is that Florentino Perez flew over to Turin last week to um, to see Andrea Agnelli. And you don't you you don't fly from Madrid to Turin just to take coffee with one of your friends, especially during a global pandemic. So I think the fact that they saw Florentino going to um, to Turin clearly to discuss the Super League, or at least maybe going deeper into the details of what could happen, how, et cetera, maybe starting really worrying people at FIFA and UEFA. And that's why that statement was a really weird statement because they've never done it before. Why now? I don't think these Super League details are far more advanced than they were before, but it was certainly a strange reaction, maybe because they're a bit scared, maybe because they know that the bigger clubs more and more are pushing for a revamp of the Champions League, which we've mentioned on the show a lot. This is inevitable anyway. This, the current format of the Champions League, as good as it could be, still needs refreshing, needs to change a bit. Either you change the format, you, but there's certainly a lot that you could look into in the in the current Champions League, Europa League format to change, to make those big clubs a bit happier. But it looked to me more of, of a reaction to, oh, oh, What's happening? Florentino goes to Sianielli. This is this is bad for us. Let's put out a statement and try to be strong. Where I think even leg- legally, I'm not sure they can they can do anything about this uh, BS of oh, if you play in the Super League, you can't play in the World Cup. I don't even think that's possible.
4: Only, only one thing. Uh, I don't know if that's possible because sometimes, uh, but sometimes, the, for example, in basketball, the NBA clubs they mm, they don't let the players play internationally, especially in August and September. And some players seem to be fine with it because they prefer to play in the NBA. So right now, I've heard many times over the last years, uh, many voices discrediting international football because it comes in March, uh, because it happens uh, basically in the middle of the season. Uh, We should focus in club football and blah, blah, blah. So there have been some attempts to discredit international football. That's for sure. And if there is more money in the Super League, I don't think it's so crazy to think that in the future, maybe this uh, FIFA ban, uh, to play international football will be so intimidating for players because I've seen that happening in the NBA, for example uh, with many European players and, you know, I know that, for example the FIFA basketball uh, is not as strong as a FIFA World Cup I know that, but at the same time uh, the pattern that football is taking is very dangerous. I don't understand how for example, the Spanish teams or the rest of the teams are accepting that the Premier League Big Six could be invited Why Tottenham, for example, and not Sevilla? Why is that? On what basis? And that has to be said. And uh, I believe that uh, this is going to be something that uh, will favour the big cities in detriment of the small ones. Uh, And the funny thing is that it has happened in the context uh, or in a week that Real Madrid has lost in the cup against Alcoyano and uh, Barcelona was about to lose in the cup against Cornellà. So these big clubs, they don't want to play uh, these small games because they think that they are far too easy. And when they lose anyway, they think that the... They just don't want to play in the Spanish Cup because it doesn't give them any, any revenue or any satisfaction. But at the same time, uh, let's not forget that there is a principle of solidarity between Real Madrid, Barcelona and the rest of the clubs in Spain or Juve, Atalanta and the rest of the clubs in Italy. They created the league together. They've been collaborating for centuries almost. So all this Super League chat, I think that it should have like a stronger a stronger voices against it uh, from uh, from the Spanish clubs, the English clubs, because uh, basically it will kill the domestic competition completely. So I, I just don't get it. And I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, th- even the the fact that uh, the big clubs are only invited and not the smaller ones is something that they, everyone should challenge much more.
1: Mm. Rafa, what's your take? Do you see it as a, an inevitability?
2: No, I don't, especially not when it comes to a, a breakaway league that supplants the domestic leagues or takes these big teams out of their domestic competition I think it's it's still only something that the big clubs enjoy having as a scenario with which they can put pressure on the Champions League and maybe on their domestic leagues as well to shape the competition and the money distribution to their advantage in Germany the fact is that as much as Bayern and Dortmund have have kind of flirted with the idea and, and perhaps enjoyed the fact that it's out there um, and helped them to put pressure on UEFA. They've also been very strict um, on the record and off the record in as much as saying that they will never join a breakaway league that takes them out of the domestic league. I think the Premier League's club's position is the same, um, which I think makes this idea of a real breakaway league just not viable at the moment it is no coincidence that this always seems to be driven by Spain and Italy and Manchester
4: United and Liverpool
2: too um, yeah I, I don't know if they would if Liverpool or United would be prepared to walk away from the Premier League I, I doubt that very this much.
3: former this former you still play your league though you still you, you just play up to 23 games in in, in a sort of Champions League on Tuesdays and Wednesdays through the seasons, but still have weekends, I think, for your domestic competition. So whether then you play your strongest team in your league, that's a different matter. But certainly they see it more as you keep your leagues and you play midweek in the Champions League, but you'll have more games because it's two uh, groups of tens. So you've got more games to play than, than, than in the current Champions League. You have you play more games, but you still play in your domestic leagues. But
2: the new group of ten is, is, is already the new UEFA position anyway. That's that's UEFA's official. Yeah, you don't need a breakaway league for that.
3: That's why I think for me, and I've always said it, I think you will see a new Champions League, but it will still be the Champions League. There might be more money for the clubs, but but I don't, I really don't believe into like a private super league, as it's been mentioned a bit last few, even with the amount of money that was mentioned as well.
1: So, what will it look like this new Champions League, and when will this be from twenty twenty four?
2: Yes, twenty twenty four is when the format changes. Uh, of course, it's not been confirmed, but UEFA are working on a system where you play in groups of ten, mm-hmm. and the placing then decides of who you play in the knockout stages. Um, just basically a really extended group stage, with in principle more random fixtures because you have more teams involved and, and get fixtures that you haven't had before. But whether that uh, you know is gonna is gonna play out that way. And still be interesting further down the road? Not so sure. See a
1: massive uptick in the amount of games and the amount of money clubs would be receiving. Juve, who hosted by all accounts Fiorentina Perez uh, for this chat last week, uh, have officially said that they are not in favour of a breakaway league. What's the reaction been generally in Italy, James?
5: So, Paolo D'Alpino, the, the president of, of Serie A, has come out and I wouldn't say condemned. Um, this document which was flying around um, of uh, a proposal for, for a new Super League, I think it's quite a sensitive uh, topic at the moment in Italy because they are currently in in advanced negotiations with private equity groups about investing um, in the league, um, buying a 10% stake in a, in a media company that they would set up to, to better market Serie A to ensure that its TV rights were sell, sold around the world in a in a more profitable manner um and of course you know the one thing that might spook uh, those private equity groups away is this idea that um uh, the clubs that make Serie uh, an attractive proposition um Juventus Inter uh Milan uh, Roma you know might break away or 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 their focus might be elsewhere on a on a European Super League um so i think yeah that is one of the reasons why I've got the impression that while Andre Agnelli has spoken recently about the impact of COVID on, uh, on the leagues um, and how it shows that they need to have a real kind of discussion about uh, reforming the structure um, of European football, I, I get the feeling that um, he's actually been quieter than you might usually expect um yeah and uh, and has usually been the guy who's perceived to be driving this i get the impression this is being driven by florentino perez and uh and barcelona um uh, rather than 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 from italy um at the moment so i think that sensitivity is 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 something that's it's actually really important because you know we've just had another election for the president of of Serie A, Paolo del Pino. he he got like a small majority and I think they want him to push through these reforms that will make Serie A more lucrative, bring investment into Serie A. and I think that right now, in a very in a very immediate term, is is where the focus is in Italy.
4: Uh, I'm not going to to defend Barcelona and Real Madrid here because uh, I think that they are both being predatory with the Spanish football, and that is absolutely unacceptable, and even more so, I mean, they are plotting something behind the scenes, Uh, just ignoring teams like Sevilla, Valencia, Athletic Club, Bilbao, Real Sociedad, uh, that they they have been quite good in Europe. I would say that uh, in the last even 20 years, of, they've been all right in Europe, at least. Uh, but at the same time, I don't believe that this is just plotted or engineered by Barcelona and Real Madrid. No way, because a year ago in March, and I think that uh, James was there as well, uh, we went to a football summit, we were in a football summit. and Who was there? Was it Agnelli? talking about uh, the yeah. Super League as well. And, uh, you know, he he admitted in that uh, summit that uh, football needed a proper uh, new structure and a change. So I think that this hasn't been only driven by Barcelona and Real Madrid. It is true, however, that the pandemic has accelerated all this because especially Barcelona is suffering. And today has been revealed uh, by Cadena Ser that Barcelona has one billion debt, which is a lot. And probably the Super League will tackle that a little bit. But uh, this, is, this is far more than uh, two big Spanish clubs just uh, making the move.
1: Well, Bartomeo, even before he, he exited at, at Barca, coming out and saying that the club was in favour yes. of, of a breakaway league. And, and those those massive debts, what, €820 million, Euros, I think was the figure that was it's, quoted. It's been
4: reported today. Uh, Barcelona doesn't have any cash flow now, nothing right. at all. And uh, the debt is €1,173 million. Euros. has been reported today by Cadena Ser.
5: I think this is one of the interesting things that came out of the Super League uh, document. The proposal was the infrastructure grant of what three point five billion euro, where you know founding clubs uh, on a sliding scale would get anything between a, a three hundred and fifty million euro kind of founders fee. So yeah, you, know, you, you join and you get paid that. Um, I think that six clubs would be entitled to that. Four clubs to two hundred twenty five million. Two clubs uh, to 112.5 million and three clubs to 100 million. So it is being seen in some respects that this this covers some of the amount lost to COVID um, over 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 that period. So I think again, as Alvaro was saying, in terms of the pandemic accelerating um, these things, or or maybe this Super League proposal mirroring what uh, Project Big Picture looked like in the in the Premier League, I think it is. It is really a response to the, the circumstances in which we've been living in and which have impacted the game over the last year.
1: Alvaro, I'm used to clubs having quite big debts and it not necessarily affecting them in terms of continuing to operate. But how serious is the position for
4: Barcelona and what prospects do they have of actually
1: getting out of that hole?
4: Well, it's very serious, I would say. If Barcelona was a normal company, probably uh, it would be liquidated by now. But it's not a normal company; it's a football club. And uh, in the past, Barcelona found a way to survive uh, with local banks loaning money and all that. But this debt is uh, is far too big. I mean, the, the former president uh, Bartomeu uh, got Barcelona's finances to a point in which any minor setback would affect tremendously the 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 finances of the club and the pandemic has been a major setback uh, to the point that, for example, uh, last week, uh, Quique Setién, the former manager, revealed that uh, he hasn't received his severance payment yet because Barcelona argues that uh, they don't have to pay for that that, and uh, Quique Setién has uh, sued Barcelona and that will be resolved on court. But yeah, uh, that tells you that is a tiny example of how bad the situation is for Barcelona. They need the money mm, at the same time the new president whoever that person is we will know in uh, in March uh, will have to come up with a very ambitious, clever and uh, uh, tenacious as well, uh, business business plan because otherwise the situation can be easily irre- irreversible. So to the point that maybe some of the biggest stars have to be sold just to calm a little bit the situation or to the point that maybe in next season Barcelona cannot do any signing
3: because um, there is no cash flow in the team. It's time to go, Leo. It's time to go. <laughs> it's time. Soon they'll have nothing left at the canteen. You know, there will be no breakfast for the players, no lunch, nothing. It's time to yes, go. Th- 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 time, time for Leo
4: to go. Um, it's something that we should have the answer by now anyway. I mean, which day is today? Well, we're at the end of January. Uh, we don't know if Leo Messi is going to, con- going to continue at the club after the 30th of June. We don't know that yet. Uh, we only have uh, vague uh, answers from Lionel Messi about it. But yeah, I mean, if you have a finance, uh, issue like this, financial issue like this, I mean, this situation should have been solved um, earlier in the year or earlier in the season.
1: OK. Barcelona, of course, not the only team short on funds, which might be why as yet nothing's happened with leo we'll talk more about what's happened in la liga of late next
0: we're sponsored for this episode of the totally football show by shopify shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify's there to help you grow From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's s-h-o-p-i-f-y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power
3: a Ricky
1: a Ricky a
0: Ricky Barcelona
1: the continuing the... there on beaten run at the weekend no Messi in the team he was suspended but they got a 2-0 win away at Elche Daniel Greenfield says shout out to Ricky Puch for scoring despite Ronald McDonald Kuman trying to kill <laughs> off his Barcelona career is there a lot of unhappiness among uh, Barca fans, the kulés about the uh, the predicament of Ricky Puch. Uh-huh. Uh,
4: this is this is very ideological, I think. Those who really like uh, players like um, Iniesta and uh, Xavi, made of the same fabric, uh, they will they will definitely defend uh, Ricky. But uh, at the same time, it has to be said that uh, Ricky has uh, improved a lot over the last two three weeks, and. Uh, Yes, he was a player that Ronald Kuman was not interested in at the beginning of the season. There were reports that, uh, that uh, Kuman accused him of uh, filtering information to the press. Okay, that's all right. Uh, Ricky Pucci decided to stay. He is a very happy man. Every time he plays for Barcelona, he seems to be thankful for it. And uh, to be honest with you, I've. Uh, Never seen players just uh, using their little time on the pitch as good as Ricky this season. Uh, He's been phenomenal. He took the fifth penalty against Real Sociedad in the Super Cup, knowing that uh, he didn't have the rank probably in the team to do that. And still, he decided to do it. He scored um, against uh, Elche. He played again like no more than 20 minutes. He was really good. He scored the second goal of Barcelona. With the head uh, for a man who is only 169, is pretty impressive. And then in the post game interview, he was a smiley, uh, he's a happy boy, he's ready to wait. This is very important too. He prefers to wait at Barcelona for his chance rather than being loaned out uh, somewhere else. And, uh, you know, uh, they accuse him of being a little bit of a post boy. At the end of the day, he was born and lives in the region of Spain with more income per inhabitant. Um, so he's a boy with a lot of money. He's Where a boy. It's Mata de Pera, uh, and the, according to 2018, this is the richest uh, region in Spain. It's well, a small, a small town. Where, where is that? It's in Catalunya. Okay. In Catalonia, yeah. But at the same time, this is a boy who wants to succeed at Barcelona. Simple as that. And uh, he is going to wait for it. And uh, he, he played really well. And uh, his goal is a little bit a testament to what being a midfielder for Barcelona means from uh, December onwards. Being a midfielder for Barcelona means getting into the box and taking shots. That's why Frankie de Jong has improved so much. In my opinion, he's the most improved player of Barcelona this season. That's why Pedri is playing so well as well. And Ricky also is benefiting from that. And Ronald Koeman understood that with his system at the beginning of the season, the team didn't have the mobility. The team was at some point stagnant. And the midfielders going forward is something that has changed Barcelona. Mm, quite a lot I would say that this this is the main change um, if we compare this Barcelona with Kike uh, Setién's Barcelona and uh, it's paying its dividends at the end of the day I said at the beginning of the program uh, Barcelona got 23 points of the last 27 like Real Madrid the only problem is that in football you know how it goes I mean are, you are good or bad uh, in relation to how good or bad your opponents are and Atletico Madrid has been excellent so that overshadowed the improvement of Barcelona over the last uh, 6 or 7 weeks
1: Atletico Madrid, led by the player who Barcelona gave them uh, over the summer, Luis Suarez. One, Barcelona don't have any money to buy players, as you were explaining, Alvaro. Real Madrid can't seem to get rid of theirs fast <laughs> enough. Uh, you put together a very nice list of, of, of their players that they've, they've dispatched in the last, uh, well, over the course of the season. Odegaard being the latest, but also Teo Hernandez, Hakimi, Te Interregion, Ceballos at Arsenal, Brahim, uh, Marcos Lorente, and Jovic as well, to great effect on his return to the Bundesliga. What is behind this kind of massive exodus of talent? And given the fact that they still managed to go out to third division opposition in the Cup, should they maybe have hung on to one or two of these?
4: I I think that Real Madrid reached peak levels in 2017, because they had what in Spain was called... Unidaza, Unity A and Unity B. Real Madrid had basically 22 very competent players and that's why they won the double for the first time since the 50s, I would say, the European and domestic double. Um, so that was very impressive. But ever since then, uh, Florentino Perez has tried to bring some youngsters to to sign the the talent of the future, and that hasn't worked. Maybe because at Real Madrid, the patience is not something that uh, lingers there. Um, I think that the patience is not a, a characteristic that defines Real Madrid. Also because Zidane is very attached to to the players that have given him so much success. So, you could say that, or you could see that against Alaves as well. Um, the reason why Real Madrid beat Alaves at Vitoria in the weekend is because the old guard play, played again, and the, the scorers were uh, Casemiro, Karim Benzema scored a brace, and then Eden Hazard, yes, finally, he managed to score a, a goal for Real Madrid. But yeah, uh, the old guard has always given at least a title per season to Zinedine Zidane, so that's why he's very attached to them. And then uh, you know, I would say that as much as I rate Sidan and I think that he has been one of the catalysts of Real Madrid uh, over the last five years, with no doubt, it's true that he has mismanaged some of the youngsters. Uh, the likes of Marcos Llorente or the likes of uh, Teo Hernández, for example, could have played more for Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid could have benefited from them. And that, you know change of cycle at Real Madrid hasn't happened in a way because Real Madrid, I think that identified it wrong who the right youngsters were. They went for Rodrigo, they went for Vinicius, they went for a number of players who weren't as ready as the ones who departed. And uh, this explains a little bit uh, uh, what Real Madrid has been about in the last years. That's why they had to resort to the old guard again in June to win a league title.
1: Mm. Uh, Last week, Alvaro, there were all sorts of headlines about Zidane's flower having wilted definitively. And that was, I think, uh, Thomas Roncero in, in AS and then Marca were talking about it would take a miracle to save Zidane this time as Real Madrid manager after that exit to third division Alcoyano. In the Copa del Rey, Alcayano, who were down to 10 men for the last 10 minutes of that game, but still managed to hold on for the win after extra time. How, how much has Zidane been able to start this out, or is this a kind of definitive mark against him?
4: Well, I, I think that the Copa del Rey has never defined the Real Madrid season, really. Uh, this is the fifth time in the 21st century that Real Madrid loses in the Cup against a third-tier opponent. You know, so this is not so exceptional, really. The only problem here is that is this Real Madrid capable of uh, turning the situation around and coming up with a title or with a Champions League? It doesn't look like, because Atletico de Madrid is too far, even though I think that domestically Atletico de Madrid will will go through problems and tribulations because the season is very long. Um, But in Europe, it seems very difficult that Real Madrid will win something. So if Real Madrid mm, ends the season... Empty-handed. Then I think that this will be the end for Zinedine Zidane. And uh, yeah, mm, well, nothing happens, really. Uh, Who the next candidate will be is the question, or will be the question. Probably Raúl will be one of them, because he's uh, the coach of Real Madrid-Castilla. I don't know if Massimiliano Allegri uh, could be the next manager. But yes, a trophy season for Real Madrid is something unacceptable. Uh, No one survives that.
1: Okay, Allegri, of course, might be busy by then. At Roma... We'll come on to that story soon enough. But next up, who wants to hear about League 1? Woo! Us too, listener. Ooh la la! That's coming up next.
0: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Oof! Top three
1: in league, uh, separated by only deux points, Jules. That's Paris Saint-Germain and Lille, with Lyon two points behind. And Monaco coming up fast. Oof! They've gone from eighth to fourth in this remarkable run that they're on. The latest one being a 3-1 victory over Marseille uh, this weekend. And what was a big game for the Champions League places?
3: Yes, you're right, it was. And Marseille, who would lost three in a row the competition before that game against big rivals had to bounce back. We were not sure how they would because as we mentioned last week, there's so many issues at that club, tension between the fans and, and AVB, between AVB and some of his own players. We, we've learned in the last few days of a, a huge argument between Dimitri Payet and Florian Thauvin after after the, the defeat of the previous weekend. Payet, I mean, this is this is brilliant. Payet, uh, telling of Thauvin for uh, his lack of discipline on and off the field. To what Tovin replied, are you kidding me? You're talking about me? Discipline when clearly, as we all know, Dimitri Payet has eaten too many kinder eggs in the last few weeks. So it was just like something that you would see. It, this is just, it was unreal. And, and that's how they prepared for that game. And of course, uh, Payet was on the bench, Tovin started... And they were not very good. They took the lead. Radonics scored. Mm. But after that, Monaco was so good. And and I have to say, Niko Kovac is doing a great job there. Kevin Fallon, as we've said many times, has been great for them. They've got younger players like Aurelian Trumani, for example, who's on Chelsea's radar, who is brilliant in that midfield. And, and Ben Yeda and others. So you've got something really good going on at Monaco. And it couldn't be more different than what you have at Marseille, which is pure chaos.
1: But they've also got this int- intriguing youngster, who, who who produced the 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 wonderful free kick, which which was the third goal? Stefan Jovetic is he any relation to the the Jovetic who a couple of decades ago was bouncing
3: around Fiorentina and a Man City, and Sevilla, and Sevilla. I mean, he hasn't bounced around for a long time. I'm not even <laughs> sure at Man City he bounced bounced a lot. But what people in Monaco say, and they always say the same, is that the talent is incredible. It's mm. just the injuries. I think I've we can't really say ruin his career because he still had a decent career, but certainly maybe not to the height that his talent would have got him to if there had been no injuries. So it's a real shame, but that free kick was amazing. Whoa. There's nothing that Mondanda can do. And and at the moment, he's only an impact player for Monaco because with with Golovin and Voland and Ben Yedder, and Job, for example, they, they have four very strong starters. But if he can stay fit, same with Pellegrini, who came on at the end as well, mm. they can certainly bring a lot to this team. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great squad that Kovach has. It's just they need to be more disciplined defensively. But they, 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 they're doing really well right now.
1: OK. Is villas going to get booted out at Marseille?
3: The rumours are that... I mean, there was rumours in Spain Alvaro of, of, over the weekend that Valverde... Ernesto Valverde could come in and replace him. Obviously, Pablo Longoria is now the the Marseille sporting director and clearly the main guy right now, more than AVB, more than the president. And if Longoria decides to sack AVB, I think they could well sack him. And what I find a bit disappointing is after the game, AVB complained about VAR, complained about a lot of things. And then he said, if they don't want me here, I can go. And clearly, he doesn't even seem that he wants to be there anymore. So... I'm not sure where that would go, but probably uh, at some point, if it continues, they play Lens, Rennes and PSG now in the next three league games. They could, To be fair, they could lose them all three. And I think uh, even if they lose two out of three, I don't think he could, he could, he could stay after that. OK. Uh,
1: elsewhere, there was a whopping 5-0 win for Lyon. Uh, as you mentioned in the derby clash with Saint-Étienne, uh, Paris Saint-Germain were big winners, 4-0 against Montpellier. And Lille had a measured 1-0 win over Rennes. Uh, let's talk, though, about Neymar who got left out of France football's PSG team of the decade jewels, but has bounced back with his own dream team which is a slightly intriguing lineup not least the fact that Gigi Buffon is his uh, PSG dream goalkeeper.
3: Yeah I'm sure Kelo Navas will appreciate it that you know really taking the team to the Champions League final and being left out and it's not like if Gigi who Let's be honest. Cost us the Champions League qualification against Manchester United. I'm not really sure that a lot of fans would understand it. But that's Neymar, who obviously trained with Gigi every day. So if he thinks he was the best, I just don't know how much knowledge. I don't know how much knowledge Neymar has uh, pre 2017. In terms right. of PSG players but, and stuff But like
1: in that. terms of more recent players, uh, most of them didn't get in his team either. People like Verratti or Di Maria, etc. Betuidi <laughs> doesn't make his team. So he's gone with Ibra and Ware up front, which is hard to argue with, with Ronaldinho yeah. in, in the hole behind, which is pretty special. Then Nene yeah. and Motta in the kind of holding midfield role, with David Beckham making his dream 11 out on the yeah. right. And then at the back, you've got Maxwell, presumably because Ibrahimovic won't come without him. David Luiz... Alex and Dani Alves with Gigi Buffon in goal. It, how would that team fare against the France football PSG team of the decade, which was wildly different, actually? Just looking at this. I think the only two players who feature in both are Ibrahimović and Thiago Motta. Otherwise, you've got the front three of Mbappé, Ibra and Cavani, Verratti, Di Maria, Matuidi in midfield, Motta in the holding role, Sirigu in goal and a back three of Marquinhos, Thiago Silva and Maxwell. Sorry, three players who make it into both? Jules, who would win, and which players, like Rye, for example, would you have included?
3: Oh, Rye, hundred percent. I, I, um, I voted for him as as you know uh, best player in PSG history earlier earlier in the season. And certainly the the France football team is more balanced than the Neymar's one. Uh, but I can see it's surprising as well. The Neymar didn't put himself in the team. To be fair, I would have thought. That he would have had, but maybe he's, a, he's
1: his sister. He might be suspended so he can go to
3: his sister's birthday. Yeah, that's coming soon. <laughs> that's coming up soon. Obviously, you know, his sister is is in her birthday's in March. Neymar himself is next month. I don't know how he will do because it looks like France will go into another lockdown as well. So that that that's bad for his uh, his birthday's um, hopes, I guess. But there's some you understand. Nene, he's like a brother to him. Okay, I, I get a Beckham, clearly he's already preparing his move to Inter Miami. As we saw with Phil Neville, that works if you big up Beckham in your in your stuff. So it's a, it's a funny one, yeah. Carlos
4: Bianchi, Jules.
3: Carlos Bianchi as well, yeah, yeah of course.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I, he should be there. Uh, all-time top scorer until Ibra surpassed the record, I think
3: yeah and then Cavani yes yeah, of course my G. I knew you were going to come up with him yeah even David Genola to be fair uh, could could be in the conversation uh, there's Comboire. A few others. Comboire Alain Roche Bernard Lama in goal Sonny yeah, Julian Draxler Julian Draxler of course uh, Christian Worm do you remember Christian Worm 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 Burns, was that his name I can't remember even. I saw Burns. him play but. Right. yeah we've had a few Germans a few great, Italians great players such an Im- amazing history mm. so brief but so intense yeah yeah, exactly you know just, just as old as Alan Shira. All right, alright
1: yeah. one other quick bit of Paris Saint-Germain news Jules before we tie up some loose ends elsewhere and that's about Mbappé's
3: future with the club yeah for the first time he sp- he spoke about it after the game on Friday night saying that he still uh, has to make his mind up and he would have to do that soon he said between extending and staying because he said if I sign a new deal I want to stay here on the long term in Paris or or not to extend and leave He, he sometimes it sounded like he it was a farewell saying like oh I'm very grateful to the clubs and the fans and sometimes it felt like what he was saying was yeah, I could I could see myself staying here for a bit longer and maybe because other clubs that he wants to join like Real Madrid and Liverpool might not have the money right now to sign him anywhere. So he might be forced to stay. It'd be interesting to follow, but it was just to, if people wondered, has he made his mind up yet on his future? The answer is not not yet, no.
1: Not yet. Okay, well, in the meantime, let's take advantage of that and move on to one or two other stories like the Huta Berlin dismissal and whether uh, there could be a change in store for AS
0: Roma. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. In the Bundesliga this weekend, top two against bottom two, Leipzig losing
1: 3-2 at second from bottom, Mainz. Bayern, meanwhile, beating Schalke 4-0. Lewandowski with his 23rd goal in 16 Bundesliga starts. Remarkable stuff. Richard Sox asks, is Christian Gross doing even worse than expected at Schalke, Rafa?
2: No, I don't think so. I think he's actually done pretty okay. I mean, they've managed to get their first win of uh, of twenty twenty one, but no, even <laughs> almost uh, of, of almost of twenty twenty as well. So the first win in twelve months, and they looked okay against Bayern. They created a few chances. Neuer had a, had a few good saves to make, and even though the result was was pretty brutal. Eight wasn't as bad as the last time they met, where they lost eight 0 So fifty percent improvement already, but um, more importantly, they showed a bit of aggression and and cohesion and looked like a team. Bayern were too strong, um, but you know their survival will not be decided by their performance against Bayern. And I think Christian Gross has done okay uh, since coming in. And people are, I don't want to say optimistic because they are in, in a pretty bad position, but they feel that it was probably a good good move to get him in and he's, he's certainly given them a bit of a lift.
1: Okay. They are 10 points from safety, uh, eight from the relegation playoff position. Mainz are beginning to creep upwards there, five points off that playoff spot. Heading down in the opposite direction, though, are Hertha, who are now 14th in the 18-team Bundesliga, but have now sacked Bruno Labbadia, who you will recall came in last season during lockdown as their fourth manager of the season. And... Uh, Off he goes again. One win in the last eight, Rafa.
2: One win in the last eight and there'd been no development, there'd been no progression as a team. Hata bought a lot of players. Some of them are pretty good, but we didn't really see any sustained sense of them coming together and forming a real unity uh, and a real bond and, and a tactical identity. It was all stop, start all the time. And I think... Ordinarily, might have been given more time, but now the results are so bad that had to find themselves in a relegation battle. The club just couldn't afford to stand idly by and see how things could get worse, because going down would be an absolute nightmare. After they've been able to, you know, attract investments north of two hundred million euros, which they pumped into the squad, so it was always going to happen, but it happened in a fairly brutal way with Bild breaking the story while idea as we said in the opener, was actually being interviewed live on German television.
1: Mm. Uh, great telly, though. Uh, now, in Serie A, a couple of managers who are potentially looking at similar scenarios, according to the press, at least. One, as I mentioned before, Rino Gattuso, beaten 3-1 at the weekend by Ivan Juric's Verona. And it's Juric who apparently, uh, Aurelio Di de is, is sizing up as a possible replacement the other meanwhile is Roma's manager Paolo Fonseca who has had a rotten week or so since that 3-0 derby defeat by Lazio how how dire is the uh, is the situation for these two managers James
5: I think it's an exaggeration on Gattuso's part I think um Yeah, it's not helped by the fact that he hasn't signed a contract extension, I suppose. Um, But I think the fault lies with him. And certainly a defeat like the one that they suffered to Verona at the weekend. Verona are a mini Atalanta. You know, this is just what they do to teams. Um, They make it really hard um, to play against them. Um, And, you know, I would say that uh, you can kind of allow for or say a loss to a side like that is acceptable. Um, yeah, the links with Juric were already there last year, the uh, second half of last season, primarily because yeah, Napoli like to go shopping in Verona at the moment. They like the players that he's got. They've invested a lot of money in some of them. Um, they want to see uh, see some of those players uh, used more. For example, Rachmani, the centre-back, has is, is hardly featured since his move to Verona. But I think, yeah, ultimately, Napoli get themselves into positions to win and they don't take their chances. That's not a failure of a game plans uh, set up by Rino Gattuso. Yeah, that is that is the players coming short. Um, that's Insigne missing missing a penalty against uh, against Juventus in the Super Cup. Um, that is um, yeah Napoli having something like five xg against Spezia and then um, and then losing uh, in the final fifteen minutes when they were one nil up. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it's necessarily down to Gattuso. As for Fonseca, I mean, uh, only Atalanta have taken more points than them in in the last six games, so in in 2021. This is a very Roman story Hmm. uh, that a manager finds himself uh, on the brink, uh, supposedly, after a bad week. Now, it was a bad week in that they put in their worst performance of the season in the biggest game of the season, which is the derby. They were involved in the kind of game that only Roma can involve themselves in, which is the absurd tragic comedy of, of uh, the Coppa Italia against uh, against Spezia, where Borja Maiarao misses seven sitters. Um, they have two players sent off in the space of two minutes in two separate incidents. Um, and then uh, as the game goes into extra time, they make that entirely redundant. By making a six substitution, <laughs> which means that it's the second game that they've lost by default this season, so
1: there's a lot going on there. Two members of staff have been fired over it, and there's also been uh, there's also been hints of some kind of division within the dressing room, no, and, and certainly uh, friction between Fonseca and Edin Dzeko.
5: Yeah, precisely. So there was a, a debrief after after the cup elimination. They went through the game on video analysis. Um, the players disagreed with the club's decision um, to to sack, particularly Gianluca Gomba, um, the twenty eight year old who um, has kind of had to carry the can for that substitution gaffe. Yeah, I think that the club hasn't made the situation any better um, by by taking by taking that action. Now, you know, there have apparently been. Uh, other examples of, 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 of things that could have been done better from an administrative point of view. Um, and then you have this this apparent split between Fonseca and Dzeko. We'll have to see whether that develops into the kind of Gasparini-Papu situation that we've seen over the last month. Jecko um, was left out of the, the, the squad uh, for the weekend's game in Serie A, which also came against uh, Spezia and was also a fantastic game. Um, as well, which was in stoppage time for Roma by Lorenzo Pellegrini, and you had uh, Fonseca running up the sidelines to go and celebrate with his players. I think the, the background to this is that when the club was sold from Palotta to the Freekins, there was a vacuum uh, for a, for a, for a period. Remember, Palotta got rid of his sporting director, uh, Gianluca Petrachi, sacked him, um, and and that position went unfilled. Um, because the Frequins were were doing a kind of quite thorough uh, recruitment process for a new general manager. Um, Tiago Pinto has just just started at the beginning of this month, and I think there was there, there, there was a time in which yeah people within the club were were, were considering proposing new managers to replace Paulo Fonseca before the start of the season. I think Fonseca was very aware of that. Is still aware of that, um, and. I don't think that's a, a healthy situation. Now, you know, the Freakins then met Fonseca. They were impressed by him. He was impressed by them. And they decided to go ahead um, with this uh, with this season. But I think memories of, of that kind of explain why you have this kind of bizarre situation where a manager who's been doing a very good job in difficult circumstances has the team in third place um, and, th- and threw into the, the knockout stages of the Europa League. So very much on target with where they would want to be at the start of the season, is is apparently under pressure.
1: It is a delicate race, though, for those top four spots, so I wonder if there's some nerves that if things begin to unravel they could miss out on vital Champions League millions. At the moment, just one point between Roma, Juve and Atalanta, and only three points separating five sides when you extend that down to Napoli and the resurgent Lazio. All right, well, so uh, Fonseca still in charge for the moment. According to the Gazetta, that was thanks to Pellegrini's goal, uh, earning him three points against uh, Spezia. But we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes on that story and indeed all the continental uh, tales. That's enough talking about people losing their jobs, though, for this week. We'll be back with another instalment of that and more with the Euro Show next Tuesday. Totally football show returns, of course, on Thursday as well. For now, many, many thanks to Alvaro, to Julian, to James and to Raphael Honigstein. And to you too, listener, for the pleasure of your company. We'll catch up with you soon. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye.
0: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The title totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
2: The Athletic.